So let's go to John chapter 13, and let's take a look at what the scripture has to say. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew this hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, when it was time for, for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So he got up from the supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not realize now, but afterward, you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who is bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet. But he is completely clean. You are clean, but, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined in and said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're speaking rightly, since that's what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I've done for you. Truly, I, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. And if you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know who those who I've chosen. But the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you'll believe that I am he. Truly I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives him who sent me. Now, you know, um, what you have here in this section of Scripture is pretty interesting for a number of different reasons. And one of those reasons is when you look at the other gospel, the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one of the things that happens is they don't mention this. You don't see anything about foot washing as any kind of ceremony or any kind of important rite throughout the Old Testament. And that's really the only place you see it in the New Testament. The other interesting thing is, when you look at the parallels in, in the synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the thing that they focus on is the Last Supper and communion itself. And John, 
doesn't mention it at all. So let's take a, a, a look at this uh, section of scripture, this pericope, as, as we used to call it technically. So verses 1 through 3 is kind of a prologue about what, what, what they're dealing with. And the, the rest of this section of scripture, from verse 4 through verse 20, gets to this foot washing itself. So let's take a look at verse 1. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, here's one of the other interesting things when you look at this section of Scripture. The other sections of Scripture give you the picture that this was happening the day of the Passover. But, but... When you read John here, he emphasizes that it is before, okay? So let's take a, so one of of the things that we need to see here is that in 33 AD, the Passover ran from 6 p.m. on Thursday to Friday at 6 p.m., okay? And a number of scholars are convinced that since this happened before, that this was probably Wednesday night. Um, Let's take a look at some scripture, what it has to say. So let's go to John chapter 18. Now let's look at verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves. Otherwise, they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. In other words, the Passover had yet to come. Let's go to chapter 19. Let's look at verse 14. Now, let's start with verse 13. When Pilate heard his words, he brought Jesus outside. He sat down in the judge's seat in a place called the, the stone pavement, but in Aramaic, Gabbatha. It was the preparation day for the Passover, and it was about noon. And then he told the Jews, here's your king. Okay? The preparation day was not the day of the Passover itself. Okay? Let's look at verse 31 from the same chapter. Since it was the preparation day, the Jews did not want the bodies to remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a special day. They requested that Pilate have the men's legs broken and that their bodies be taken away. So, once again, you know, we have something pointing to before. Let's go to, take a look at verse 42. Same chapter. They 
placed Jesus there because the Jewish day of, prep of preparation and since the tomb was nearby. Okay? So when you look at John, he makes it loud and clear this is not on the day of the Passover. It was before. Okay? So that's one thing to take into account. But let's look at what the synoptics have to say. Okay? So let's turn now to Matthew. And let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Now, you know, um, I, I always get caught up in all this technical detail, but I think that sometimes it just makes the picture just that much clearer, you know? So, Matthew chapter 26, let's take a look at verse 17. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Okay? So, this is on the, the day of unleavened bread, which is like the day before. Okay? So, let's now turn to Mark. Let's go to chapter 14. And let's go to verse 12. On the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the, the Passover lamb, his disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover that you may eat it? Okay, so once again, you know, we get a picture of this thing being before. And lastly, let's go to Luke. Let's go to chapter 22. And let's look at verse 7. Then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. So, and where, they, where do you want us to prepare it, they asked him. Listen, he said, you've entered the city, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him to the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house, the teacher at teacher asks you, where is the, the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And they will show you a large furnished room upstairs, make preparations there. So they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Okay? So Passover was not yet. Let's go back to John chapter 13. So we see that this is, he's in Jerusalem. We see that this is before the Passover festival. And it says, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from the world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So here's what he knows for sure. He knows 
that his hour has come. He's been waiting for this hour for his entire life. But here's something else. He knew that he was going back to the Father. One thing I, I think we need to see here, it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Perhaps a better translation is, to the limit. What do we mean? What we mean is this. He loved them to the point that he was willing to be sacrificed for their sins. He loved you. He loved me to the point that he was willing to give up everything in this world. And he talked about this world. You know, in the Gospel of John, he uses this word world at least 40 times, the word cosmos. And it's his disciples in contrast to the rest of the world. Verse 2. Now, when it was time for the supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. So we start off with Jesus. And we see that he loved us. In contrast, they start talking about Judas. And they, he mentions the fact that Satan had put it into his heart to betray him. You know, it is interesting when you look at it. But there's a lot of people, you know, they might look like believers. They might act like believers. But when push really comes to shove, they're not converted. And they are all too sensitive to the leanings of this world, to the leanings of Satan. You know, um, the thing I find amazing is that this man spent three years with Jesus. He got to know him, got to hear his teaching. This is as good as it's ever going to get. And yet, he was not saved. Yet, Satan was able to manipulate him. I think that this is warning for us to guard our own hearts, to check ourselves, to remind ourselves. Verse 3. 
Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So, you know, in the first verse, the thing that he knew was this was his hour. This was the purpose that he had come. But here in this third verse, we see that he knows three things, okay? We see that he knew that the Father had given him everything in his hands, okay? And so one of the things that that means is that he was empowered to do the Father's will. Here's something else. Another thing they knew was that he had come from God. And here's the final thing that he knew. That he was going back to God. And because he went back with God, he opened a way for us to go back to God. So, let's go to verse 4. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water in a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around them. Okay? So... You know, we read the scripture and, you know, it's, it's not what you expect. But I don't think that we really get the picture here. This guy, the son of man, the son of God, who they spent three years with, hearing his teaching, expecting that the kingdom was coming... And he was the king, humbled himself in a way that they could not have imagined. See, foot washing was the kind of thing that even that even Jewish slaves or laborers weren't allowed to do. You had to be a Gentile slave in order to do this. Now, you know, occasionally a wife or a child might do it. And, you know, if Jesus had asked his disciples to do it, I'm sure that they wouldn't have thought twice about it. But this was a shocker for them. This was a stunner for them. There is this story about this rabbi Ishmael. He was a great teacher. And his mother, and you know, moms, you know, moms do everything for their kids, right? She wanted to wash his feet. Rabbi Ishmael wasn't having it. He was not going to allow his mother to be lowered to that point. It became such a point of contention that she went to the other rabbis to shame him into allowing her to wash his feet. But it didn't happen. 
So let's take a look at what we see about bush washing throughout the Old Testament. Let's go to Genesis chapter 18. Let's start with verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre when he was uh, when he was sitting at the entrance of the tent during the heat of the day. And he looked up and he saw three men standing near him. And when he saw them, he ran from the entrance to, of the tent to meet them, bowed to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found favor with you, please do not go on past your servant. Let a little water be brought that you may wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Okay? So this was the kind of thing that you did for dignitaries. This was the kind of thing that you did for guests. This was the kind of thing you did for special people. Let's go now to chapter 19. Let's go to verse 1. The two angels entered Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in Sodom's gateway. And when Lot saw them, he went up to meet them and he bowed his face to the ground and said, My lords, turn aside to your servant's house, wash your feet, and spend the night that you can get up early and go on your way. Once again, the thing is, he's going to let these guys wash their own feet, but he's going to bring water for them. He's going to bring water and a towel for them to do this. Let's go to Genesis chapter 24 now. Let's go to verse 32. So the man came to the house and the camels were unloaded, straw and feed were given to the camels, and water was brought to wash his feet, and the feet of the men with him. And so when you look throughout the rest of the Old Testament, what you see time and again is that when people came in, if they were your guests, one of your ways to take care of them was to wash their feet. And one of the things we see in examples over and over again is that these guys wash their own feet. They brought the water to do it, but they washed their own feet. And when you look at the society of that day, if you wash someone's feet, that was a huge deal. So when you get to John chapter 13, and you see Jesus, and he takes off his outer garment, sets it aside, he wraps towel around himself. You know, these disciples were in shock. These disciples, they, they were, again, they, they, they didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do. But there he is. Washing their feet. Drying their feet. You know, they're probably embarrassed. 
they, they didn't know how to react. Verse 6. It came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? See, the rest of these guys, they didn't know what to do. Peter, as we've seen time and again, reacts. You know, when Jesus told him, yeah, I'm going to go up to Jerusalem, and I'm going to die there, and what does Peter say? No, Lord, that's not going to happen. And now he sees Jesus washing their feet. And now Jesus is coming to him. And he said, Lord, you ain't washing my feet. That ain't going to happen. Verse 7. Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. And Jesus replied, If I don't wash you, you have no part of me. Here's the thing. He came to wash you. And he paid a great price to do that. And if you are not washed by Jesus, then you're still in your sins. And you have no part of it. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And here's the thing about every other religion in the world. Every other religion, you clean yourself. Every other religion is a religion of self-accomplishment, isn't it? Be a Christian means that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Verse 9. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not on my feet, but also my hands and my head. You know, one of the things about Peter, he was either all in or he was all out. And folks, that's how we need to be. We need to be all in or we need to be all out. You know, I got it. Okay. Like, 
One of my favorite movies is Apocalypse Now, okay? How, how many of you have seen Apocalypse Now? Okay, there, there's a scene in the movie where um, Chef and, and Captain Willard and, and, and I forget who else, they, they go out in the jungle, they, they want to find some mangoes because Chef, you know, who's, who's the radio man, Chef wants to make a pie. So they go out in, in the jungle, and they're, they're, they're walking, and, and, you know, and, and so Captain Willard says, oh, why do they call you chef? He says, well, you know, because I, I used chef before I came into the Navy. And he says, uh, you know, I, I was a saucier. You know, I made sauces. And, you know, and he, he'd learned all this, this, the, these cooking techniques and whatever. And as they're talking, they start to hear something. And they stop. And they raise their rifles in preparation. That, you know, it's probably the end they're thinking. And the next thing you know, a tiger jumps out of the woods. And they are running back to the boat. And they're just, they're just shooting, shooting at the tiger and running towards the boat. And the other guys, you know, they, they just... On the boat, they just start shooting in the direction, you know, figuring it's the enemy, while these guys, while these guys, you know, get on the boat. Now, you know, once they make it to the boat, Chef is just losing it, okay? He's, he's taking his clothes off, and, and he's just, he's just totally lost it. And Captain Willard makes some rather interesting commentary, and I'm going to clean it up for you folks. Because you know, Chef is yelling, don't get off the boat. Don't get off the boat. Whatever you do, don't get off the boat. Captain Willard says, that's right. Don't get off the boat unless you're willing to go all the way. Now, folks, you can't have one foot in the boat and one foot off. You're either in with him or you're in with the world. It's all or it's nothing. Verse 9. Simon Peter, once again, he's all in, said, Lord, not only am I thee, but also my hands and my head. And the Lord says, one who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet. But he is completely clean. Okay? See, one of the things that happens is, when you come to Christ, you are washed. But, you know, the thing is, we're still walking in this world, aren't we? And we're muddying those feet. And those feet need to be cleansed from time to time. So, let's turn to um, John chapter um, 15. 
And let's start with verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. See, this is one of the reasons that we need to spend time in his word. Because we... We may be clean, but we continually get dirty. Let's go back to John chapter 13, verse 10. One who's bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he's completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. Once again, Judas heard the word of God for three years. Got to know Jesus In so many different ways. Got to experience him firsthand. And in the end, he still didn't know Jesus. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 13. Let's go to verse 22. He went through one town and village after another, teaching and making his way to Jerusalem. Lord, someone asked him, are only a few going to be saved? And he said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because I tell you many will try to enter and won't be able and once the house owner gets up and shuts the door then you'll stand outside and knock on the door saying Lord open up for us and he will answer you I don't know you or where you're from then you'll say we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets but he'll say I tell you he will say I tell you I don't know you where you're from, get away from me, you, all you evildoers. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are thrown out. They'll come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, to share the banquet in the kingdom of God. Note this, some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. Now, you know, a lot of these guys, and you see this, 
You see this through, throughout the Gospels. These guys are still, in a lot of ways, jockeying for position. You know, you know Lord, when you, when you ascend to your throne, you know, I want to be on your right hand. You know? But here's the thing. Judas had checked out early. He wasn't committed. He was just kind of along for the ride. And he saw that the ride was coming to an end. And he betrayed our Lord. Now, you know, I can't help but think that in this last year, with everything that we've seen with COVID, that, you know, there's a lot of people who are kind of this way. Yeah, they've been going to church for a long time, but COVID gave them the reason. COVID gave them the excuse to complete, well, just not to come back. They're estimating that 22% of churches will close their doors for the final time because of, because of what's happened with COVID. It's been said that the Lord is using this to sift out his church. To find out, well, who are true believers and who are not? Now, you know, it has to be said, some people, you know, don't show up because they have actual health concerns. But I think some people, sadly, are just using this as an opportunity to check out. Because for them... The ride is over. And ultimately, it's because they never knew him. Let's go back to John chapter 13, verse 12. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're speaking rightly since that's what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash another's feet, one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. Son of God took on the role of a servant. In this case, a Gentile servant. To do the most menial of tasks. Because as it said in verse 1, he loved them to the limit. Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 2.
Let's go to verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Folks, God himself came as man, lived among us, was a servant, and died an ignominious death for you and me. He was the ultimate servant. And he says here in John chapter 13, verse 12, he says, So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. Do you love God's people? How do you show it? How are you showing it? Is he the example for you? Is he the blueprint that you're following? if he's not and you belong to him you should be now you know one of the things that, that happens with this section of scripture is you know some have made foot washing an ordinance okay Roman Catholic Church you know they have Monday Thursday okay because uh, one of the things that, that, that happens is, you know, they'll have communion that day, and they'll also have the foot washing. Um, but, you know, they're not the only ones. Um, you know, Orthodox Church has made it an ordinance. Um, but you, you find you find Methodists, you find uh, even Baptists, you know, doing this sort of thing. And, you know, it's not that it's a bad thing to do, but, you know, it's not supposed to be ordinance. Because this is the only place you find this. When you look at communion, you get pictures of this all the way back to Genesis 
with Melchizedek. And you see in the other Gospels, it's instituted as an ordinance. It's something that they continually do. And the, all the other three Gospels do it. And Paul writes about it. This section of scripture here is the only place you see this done. So, I think those who made it an ordinance missed the point. The point is that each of us should be the servant of each other. Each of us is supposed to show the love of Christ to each other as much as possible. Verse 16. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. And if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Not enough just to know what are you doing? Are you living this out in your life? Are you showing the love of Christ to each other? Are you there when your brother or your sister is hurting or in need? Are you showing them the love of Christ? Verse 18. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know those who I've chosen. Okay. I'm not going to belabor the point, but it's simple. Jesus Christ does all the saving. You don't save yourself. He chose you. We chose him because he first chose us. It's just that simple. I'm not speaking all about all of you. I know those who I've chosen. But the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. Truly I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send, receives me. You know, just got to say, You know, our God gave us a good pastor, didn't he? And we need to show him our appreciation, right? Because, you know, um, when we receive him, well, we, we're receiving God. We're receiving the one who sent him. And, you know, when he sends others... To us. 
We're receiving him. He says here, Truly I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives him who sent me. Who sent Jesus? God the Father. Now, you know, safe to assume everybody here today has received Jesus Christ. But you know, I don't know all of you. And even if I did, I could fool you. And you could fool me. But we can't fool him, can we? So if you don't know today, now, today, the day of salvation. You know, we got a great group of fellows. Great group of deacons who would be glad to sit and talk with you if you don't know him today. Let's pray. Lord, we, we just thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you for the great love that you have given us. Lord, we're so thankful for the great sacrifice that you made for us. Lord, I, I, I pray that every person here knows you today. And Lord, I pray that if someone does not, that they would seek you today. Lord, give each one of us a heart to seek the lost, to give good news to the lost. Lord, help us to be faithful, to shine the light of your truth in every dark corner of this world. Help us to glorify your holy name and all we say and do. Lord, guide us. These things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.